Welcome to Cynthia Talks Life. I'm your host, Cynthia Chang-Mintz. It's time for another food episode. This time, it's about cooking. I didn't grow up around family members who were great cooks. In fact, they kind of sucked. I remember eating my grandfather's steamed fish, which often came out kind of dry. How can steamed fish be dry? I mean, I had to like drench it in soy sauce. And a lot of their dishes were rather boring. Beef and bean stir fry, beef and green stir fry. Okay, that's that was a favorite, but home cooking was never as good as the stuff you got at restaurants. And there was soy sauce roast chicken, which was always drumsticks or pork chops. Another staple included steamed meat patties, which was always pork and made with salted duck eggs. Once in a while, my grandmother would make ground beef and tomatoes. That was probably the best dish and definitely one of my favorites. Being of Chinese heritage, everything was served with rice all the time. Unless we were having hot pot or dumplings, which rarely happened, that would be with noodles. Things like tasu and good roasted meats were always store-bought, perhaps as a weekend dinner thing and likely purchased after dim sum lunches. Then there were things that my mom made. My mom was not a good cook at all, worse than my parent, my grandparents. She, what she introduced me to, what I, I something another favorite of mine actually was grilled cheese made in the toaster oven. So not stovetop, and there was like no butter or anything like that. Just sliced cheese on top of bread in a toaster oven. Things changed when I grew up and moved out. I began to cook my way, which was heritage-inspired, but definitely authentic heritage, quote-unquote, cooking. I mean, kitchen sink fried rice is heritage, I suppose. But fried quinoa? Nah. I think a lot of people who grew up like me are the same way. We pick and choose our own cultural influences, which may or may not be from our actual cultural background. This surprises a lot of other people, including children of immigrants, who always reminisce about cooking with their grandmothers, their nanas, yayas, babis, popos, and so forth. But my popo didn't know how to cook well, as I noted earlier. In fact, she more or less said that ladies didn't belong in the kitchen. I'm sure we're all smart enough to know what that means, and it has nothing to do with one's genetics or gender identity. If you follow me on Instagram or have read my blog, you would have seen pictures, especially those hashtag Cynthia Cooks and Delectably Chic Cooks. One of my recent creations, if you can call Lunar New Year 2021 recent, was a noodle dish inspired by dandan mean. Dandan mean means porter's noodles in Chinese. And most recipes one finds online involve protein, peanut butter. Just a question. They had peanut butter back then, and sesame paste, or, or sesame paste, greens, and, and the protein was usually pork. I have no idea how that can be a porter's meal, since you need to find a place to sit, or in those days, squat and eat with chopsticks. I mean, it's kind of gross to eat noodles, long noodles with your hands, right? These guys are supposed to be on the go all the time. So wouldn't Dan Dan Bao make more sense? Just saying, right? Anyway, according to Wikipedia, however, 
it's actually referring to the poles that street food merchants used, not the people who had those jobs. My version of dandanmin, on the other hand, doesn't have peanut butter, but almond butter and hummus. I mean, like, think about it. There's tahini in hummus, so sesame paste. Plus, with, with the, um, the chickpeas, you get more protein. And of course, there were greens, and I also added some plant protein. Soy sauce as well. Trust me, hummus, almond butter, and a soy sauce mix is not weird. It actually tastes really good. However, because it was changed so much, I decided to call it Tin Tin Min, Tin Tin being my Chinese name. I mean, it's my creation, right? Calling it almond butter hummus dan dan min is a much, much, bit of a, too much of a mouthful, and some people might think it's way too bastardized or appropriated, even though I acknowledged where my, I got my inspiration. And yes, you can say that I'm quote-unquote appropriating because I have no Sichuan heritage, which apparently is where the original Dandanmin is from. But you know, it doesn't really matter. The dish was already appropriated in Hong Kong, which is the kind of Dandanmin that we, kind of, we, we might be more familiar with, again, according to Wikipedia. The original one looks nothing and tastes nothing like what I said we know. Okay, on to something else, baking. Just like everyone else, I started making my own bread when the pandemic began. However, unlike the rest of the world, I didn't bother with sourdough. Instead, I made soda bread. The bread that I, I make, which I'm doing it weekly, isn't completely my own recipe. It's actually based on one I found online. The basic ingredients for the bread are self-rising flour, which is basically flour, baking soda and salt, a bit of sugar, and kefir. As usual, I tweaked it a bit, changing the flour from a mix of whole wheat and regular white flour to a mix of the following. Oat, buckwheat, um, uh, quinoa, whole wheat, spelt, and kamut. I also added egg whites and subbed sugar with apple butter. I usually top it up with everything bagel seasoning, flax, and dukkha. Everyone in my family loves it, especially my son. This kid is most definitely a carved man. It's bao bao and cheese, which means bread slash buns and cheese all the way. And yes, he loves pizza, grilled cheese, cheese quesadilla, and so on. Another thing I've been baking on a regular basis are two ingredient oatmeal cookies. Again, this isn't purely my own recipe, or even my own recipe at all, to be honest. I found it online before the lockdown. It's basically mashed banana bread quality bananas and rolled oats. The best part of this is that it can be eaten raw straight out of the, dough, of the bowl. My batch makes about 12 cookies and they freeze quite well. I can make it last two weeks. My son loves them too. I'm considering making one with pumpkin puree and bananas in this, later this month. Probably kind of like a sweet version of those pumpkin mooncakes that I make. See my blog for the recipe. Uh, I'm going to probably, I'm going to be posting links in the show notes for everything that I talked about. It's definitely a far cry from the store-bought mixes I used when I was a kid. And since the pandemic, I've really gotten more into home cooking. 
I often make more alternative, use more alternative ingredients. Like, I'm really glad I live within walkable distance to five grocery stores, most with very good selection, especially in alternative pasta. Two stores that I go to carry oat pasta, which I haven't really seen until recently. Typically, gluten-free pastas are made out of rice or legumes, like chickpea or lentil, right? Those are great as well, especially if you're looking for more protein. Referring to, of course, the legumes. But they're pretty much everywhere. And to be honest, I don't see my way of cooking all that strange. However, some family members do. Earlier this year, I had an interesting conversation with my dad. To him, anything meat-free is quote-unquote clean eating, as in eating as in one eating vegan or at least vegetarian on the first day of the Lunar New Year to cleanse oneself. Typically, it's a vegan dish called dai, or Buddha's delight. It's basically a melange of stir-fried vegetables, and to be honest, I wouldn't consider it the lightest thing in the world, because we're not just talking about dumping a little bit of soy sauce. A lot of it has other sauces in it. I mean, it's not as junky as... I don't know, vegan poutine, but it's not exactly steamed broccoli and carrots. If you were to cleanse yourself on the first day of the Lunar New Year, you'd probably better off eating steamed chicken and broccoli. Turns out it's just cultural differences. My 21st century Western interpretation of clean eating is a different kind of clean. Clean to me is something that doesn't have a lot of sauce, is low in calories, etc., etc., and I always thought the reason why one was vegan on the first day was because we were supposed to honor the animals that carnivores and omnivores eat. Suppose I was wrong. And also, I suppose it's also, I thought it was to, quote unquote, cleanse oneself after eating a humongous meal on New Year's Eve. I kind of see it like, uh, like Mardi Gras, Pancake Tuesday, when you eat a lot before Lent. So, does my family like, or my immediate family, like alternative pastas? Definitely not as much as I do. Perhaps I'm a little weird in that sense. A typical pasta dish I'd make would include either yellow pea and sweet potato noodles or oat noodles with a sauce made out of a, of a mix of cottage cheese, hummus, and vegetables. And no, combining hummus and pasta isn't as weird as you might think, as you... Bro probably heard from my Dan Dan Means part earlier this, earlier this show. In fact, someone do, doing a hummus demo at a supermarket I frequent mentioned that back when samples were done in, in stores before the pandemic. It gives a, the dish a protein boost, right? Speaking of protein, I think some family members and I don't really agree on the whole plant-based protein thing either, namely older generation immigrant parents. Some don't think eating, say, chickpeas and lentils is good and healthy enough in that I should be eating more meat. The thing is, I don't like eating it that much. It's just not my palate. I do eat meat, mostly chicken and turkey, just not, you know, twice a day. I also eat fish. They keep telling me that in Chinese cuisine, meat is about flavoring the dish. They still don't get that I'm not just limiting me for health reasons. There's also environmental reasons. reasons. So I'm just going to leave it at that. 
More recently, I started making my own broths. I discovered a method using my pressure cooker and frozen vegetables. You might, might have seen the Instagram post from the beginning of September featuring a pretty hearty looking soup I made the day after my birthday as I wanted to eat a little lighter. It's probably not that light. It was made with vegetable scraps as well as veggies about to go bad, which then froze. The broth itself was fairly plain, just vegetables like that from that, from that along with ground pepper, garlic, salt, and some dried herbs. It was the pressure in the pressure cooker for about 15 minutes and then drained and the scraps tossed. I made, I made more than I needed for that one night and there's still, so, still some sitting in my freezer. I may just use it to make some grains or noodles, noodles in the near future. And did my family like it? Well, my son definitely did. He loves his broths and sauces after all. However, he does seem to like chicken soup and, and tomato soup the most. I know, my cooking doesn't exactly reflect my ethnic background at, the, at a time when you're supposed to be to learn more about it. And you know what? I don't think it's that important. A lot of up and coming chefs from my background do some sort of hybrid thing. Look at Christopher Sue. He was the most recent winner of MasterChef Canada. He has a pastry shop called Nango Cake Lab, which translates to Cake Cake Lab. And it features a lot of cakes inspired by, as a, by his heritage as a Canadian with roots in Hong Kong. But the cakes itself are not all that Asian. And there really shouldn't be any shame about that. I, I feel like a lot of the DEI leadership think otherwise. And to be honest, uh, it's kind of offensive, actually really offensive. And I don't think they fully understand. I, that's pretty sad, don't you think? If you want to promote inclusion, you better change your philosophy on these kinds of issues. Anyway, that's it on this food episode. There'll be more food-related episodes, likely next season. However, I'd like to hear from you, what you like to cook and what your family likes to eat. Send me a note and let me know. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Cynthia Talks Life, Delectably Chic or Otherwise. Our opening theme is called Progress is an Inevitable by Black Rome, and our closing music is called Landing Place by Mark July. Both are courtesy of Shutterstock. Stay tuned for more coming soon to wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to contact me, please email me at talkslife at cynthiacmince.com. Questions, suggestions, and tips are always welcome. Hey, I may even answer some of your questions on air. You can also find me on social at for Instagram at Cynthia C. Mint and Twitter on, at Cynthia CM79. You want to read my blog? I'm at www.cynthiacmints.com. You can find all this information in the show notes. And if you would like to be featured on this show, I'm open to interviews, so please let, let me know. See you next time.